Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. Good morning, friends. <clears throat> so a few words uh, on practice this morning before we sit together in silence. Um, <clears throat> There's a series of uh, images that uh, the Buddha uh, used uh, to describe um, uh, our experience. They're very, uh, very dear to me. I carried them uh, uh, with me in practice uh, a lot of the time and on retreats. So I wanted to um, present them to you. Um, Maybe you'll be, um, maybe they'll um, resonate for you also. Uh, the Buddha compared the, um, the body to foam. Uh, and I think he's uh, trying to, uh, he was trying to highlight or highlighting the characteristics that uh, we've been mentioning uh, here and there and that uh, Tara talked about. Uh, yesterday evening, so the the body um, as foam, foam like uh, on the side of a river or the ocean, changing form with uh, every wave. Huh? And so here we're invited to actually uh, go underneath the preconceived idea we have about the body, and. Uh, uh, so the solid kind of my body, this body, you know, and uh, attuned to the actual experience that is more um, river-like, the river-like nature of the body. So the body now feels like this, and uh, later it'll feel very different. Yesterday in this room was uh, kind of cool for me, different uh, temperature, for example. So the experience of the body was different. It was a cool body. Um, later we'll be standing or moving. Uh, the body, the form is uh, is changing. And in our mind, maybe it's like uh, we're stuck with our body in this way. But um, even from uh, moment to moment, it changes. It changes in uh, so many ways during our lifetime, you know, with the process of uh, growing and aging and the transformation. I'm thinking of uh, Anushka describing, I, th I think on one of the first days, or the first day, the Buddha, uh, uh, or the Buddha-to-be, uh, chopping their hair, you know, and uh, changing their, the way they dress. To, uh, and so, uh, so there was changes like this that uh, he was allowing to make to his body to express his identity, you know, taking on... Uh, going from maybe rich clothing to rags or robes, you know. And so it changes in this way. 
but also very momentary changes. You know, suddenly there's a flash of f- fear and whoa, it's a different body. Eh? It's a contracted body or hollow body. Or, um, and so in practice here, in this, uh, and we have a full day of practice today, like a, a whole day of exploration, very, very um, um, precious, unique opportunity here, because we'll be thrown back in that world before we know it. So today, in the moment-to-moment way, notice the experience of the body as it's, uh, it's changing. For me, an example of this that I like is uh, at the end when I hold the stick for me, but for all of us who bow, maybe this, this experience, I like to be present from the stillness, bell rings, and then there's this experience of the body, feels like this, and then there's so many changes happening, and then you know, and this is a unique event. You know, the body has taken this form, this felt sense. And I better be there because gone, you know, and then wow, another experience. So I'm actually deconstructing my preconceived idea about my body. And I'm discovering that there's a river of things happening, you know. So foam like nature of the body, expanding, contracting as we're sitting here, alive, dynamic. So we're invited to have intimacy with this. Another aspect of our, um, of our experience, another, f- f- other phenomena happening uh, in a river-like way also for us, is the experiences of pleasure, displeasure and neutrality. And the Buddha used the uh, talking about uh, this ex- part of our experience, aspect of our experience, used the image of the bubble. The precise image uh, he's using is uh, when it rains, the little drops of water, one drop of water falling on a puddle. What happens when it falls? There's often a little bubble that you know, is extremely ephemeral. Eh? It's one moment. So he's comparing uh, our experiences of pleasure and displeasure uh, to bubbles uh, popping. And so as we practice here today, uh, walking, sitting, eating, whatever we do, you can notice the fluctuation, the ephemeral nature of uh, experiences of pleasure and displeasure or neutrality. So one thought crosses the mind and it's a pleasant or unpleasant thought. You know, one sound ah, is pleasant. Uh, even the changes, sometimes the things are not changing in a way, you know, but our rapport to them changes. So the pleasure, displeasure, you know, so you might come in, sit here, oh, <coughs> quiet, you know, 20 minutes later, still quiet, <laughs> but maybe it's felt as unpleasant, no? And so I, uh, we have, again, the opportunity here today to see the fluctuation, the unstable nature 
uh, of pleasure and displeasure that Tara talked about yesterday, the unreliability, the fragility of this. Um, I'm, I'm fascinated by that, how, how unreliable uh, it is. I, and I've heard, uh, we've heard people describe this, some of us here describe this. You go to a sitting expecting it to be extremely unpleasant and something happens that it's actually kind of sweet. Or you think, wow, I mean, you know, I'm, my mind is calm now, I got it, you know. And then, poops, something happens and the bubble bursts, you know. And so in this way, uh, with these images also, and in this way we can uh, maybe start to touch on the uh, not personal nature of what's happening, you know, not, not mine, not I. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, I'll, uh, I'll think, you know, like somebody like kind of burst my bubble of fun, you know, I was having fun and they burst my pleasure or you know or if you're sitting here and you're getting quiet and somebody sneezes or i don't know what you know, my concentration where was it yours really it seems like it belonged <laughs> to the environment also because the environment took it back you know and so is it really our pleasure or there is pleasure it was there and seems like it belonged to the circumstances who took it back, you know. And so there's a lot of um, kind of mistaken uh, appropriation here, a lot of uh, that we do where we start owning things that uh, belong to nature. They happen, pleasure happens, it belongs to nature. But if we take it to be mine and then it goes, it's really humiliating, frustrating, confusing. Where's my pleasure? Well, it was pleasure, but it was not maybe exactly mine or yours, but it was happening truly. And so bubbles of pleasure, displeasure. Another image that is used is uh, the image of the mirage. Again, uh, kind of highlighting the ephemerality of a phenomena. And the Buddha used this to talk about our perceptions, how things seem. So for me in discouragement, uh, it's my past takes a certain uh, color, you could say, or tone or texture. Never, nothing ever worked for me mirage-like, or the future, it's never going to work out. This retreat is going to be a mess from beginning to end, you know? And then, in a different mood, suddenly, no, you know, my past was not, things did work out, you know? In some ways, I found my way, you know? And I probably will find my way. Whoops, the vision has changed, mirage-like. So liberation, in a way, is to be awake, conscious that there's a mirage happening, not totally fooled. Oh, it appears like this right now. It appears like this. I appear to have no value, you know, 
it really feels like. And when I say appears, I'm really talking three-dimensionally. You know, it's not just like a little image in the back. You know, it's felt in the whole body. The mirage is, you know, taking the whole of the space of the heart and psyche. And still, we can uh, wake up to this. So ephemeral, mirage, and conditional. It's not exactly me or mine, but it's there. The conditions are such that it appears like this. Can I throw in a couple of more images? Or that's plenty? If it's plenty, just tune out. Go in your mirage. Go in your bubble. It's another image that the Buddha used is uh, the image of the banana tree trunk. And um, so we imagine um, one of us here, we want to build something solid. You know, we're like, I'm gonna build something solid, I need hardwood. So we go in the forest here behind, and we look for the tree that will seem like uh, has hardwood in it. And uh, so we find a banana tree, like, you know, the many banana trees here. <laughs> And we think, ah, look at that, big leaves, big flower, big fruits. There must be really good wood in there, you know, to support such big leaves. And with the axe, we cut the tree down, down to find out that there's nothing hard in there. It's, uh, it's empty. Huh? It's a herb. So it produces big leaves, big flowers, big uh, fruits but then they fall on the ground, are composted. And so the Buddha used that image of the empty banana tree trunk to talk about our thoughts, uh, emotions, and the stories we build here. You know, do you recognize this? You're sitting here and, ah, what if this person was to say this to me? Banana tree, <laughs> big leaves, big flowers, big fruits, you know, and heart beating and, you know, sweat and dread and frozen body, you know. And then, 20 minutes later, falls on the ground, composted. It was empty. It looked so, it felt so powerful and strong, but we are discovering the ephemerality. Yeah, it's gone now. And then just here, and then this damp, uh, or dry, or whatever, however it's feel, felt, room, silent. So there was a banana production, you know? And so, uh, so yeah, we can, we can smile at it, and also have compassion for it, for the mistaken views. We, of course, of course, we give into that, we believe in it. But here we can learn maybe to... Uh, recognize, oh, it's also empty in some ways, you know. Maybe in 10 years I'll smile a bit about it, that period of my life. So I don't want us to convince ourselves, like talk to ourselves, oh, it's impermanent, it doesn't count. This is not the practice. The practice we do here is that we pay really close attention to the beginning of things, the ending of things, their presence, but also their absence. 
So notice the absence of struggle when it's there for a few moments. Be impressed by the absence of struggle. So the mirage-like nature, the banana tree trunk nature, bubble nature, foam-like nature. And the last image is the image of the magic show. It's a beautiful series of images, no? All have a lot of ephemerality in them, like appearance, things appear, they really do appear and disappear, appearances. So the magic show, the Buddha used that image to talk about uh, consciousness, the knowing quality uh, that is happening now. So the knowing quality, what knows the sound here, the knowing of the sound. sound, spontaneously known. The knowing of the sound arises with the sound and dies with the sound. Who is now conscious of the sound? That moment of consciousness is gone. It co-arose with the sound. The awareness of cricket singing depends on cricket singing. Do you see the illusion we have of separation? I am hearing the cricket. I am hearing the bell. They belong to each other. The knowing of cricket depends on cricket singing. And so here we come to a place like here to calm the mind as much as we can, stabilize the mind, so we can actually start questioning, exploring our perceptions of reality, mirage-like perception. I'm separate. I'm this little consciousness separated from the rest of the world. Oh, it appears like this, my love. It so appears like this. So stressful. So isolating. Let's pay attention. Maybe we'll notice that the awareness of the feet landing appears with the feet landing and disappears with it. Oh my God, I die thousands of times a day. Where is the one that was coming in this room? Where is this one that was coming in this room, walking there? Gone. Magic show. And so then there's a moment of listening. This is me listening. There's an idea. This is me thinking. And all these little discrete, discrete moments, we bring them together and then we freak out. What's going to happen to moi? Moi, there's already been a thousand mois today. The moi with the opinion, the moi that couldn't reach the cup, the moi that, you know, they keep coming and going, a series of appearances. And so maybe today we want to become aware of this, of the different moi's. The moi opening the door, the moi, you know. And so I wanted to point out today the ephemerality of events, 
the um, mirage-like nature of Im- I- events, appearances. And so could we maybe become interested in uh, paying attention this way? So it does need that we release, uh, you know, some of the uh, fascination with me, me and the narration of me. I was here, I'm here, it's the last day of my retreat, then I'm going back home. Drop that if you can, a few seconds here and there, and just noting, notice the appearance, the breath, one moment of gone. Me taking an in-breath has died. Now here's a completely new me, out breathing. And later there'll be a me somewhere else, At some point in the day, you'll discover a new me sitting on a toilet bowl. (laughs) And then it will be mirage-like. It'll be gone within a few minutes. That me will be gone. And so maybe it can help us release a bit of uh, the past or the future me's, you know, not be so fascinated. And so we're invited here today, if we want to become aware of the ephemeral, um, the appearing of things and their disappearing. Shall we try this a little bit? Okay. So just when you thought he was never going to stop talking, (laughs) it was ephemeral. And if this is confusing for you somehow, please see if you can allow some confusion. That's, a, that's good. Confusion is not all that bad. You know, it might uh, be the doorway to a different uh, liberating understanding of what's happening. One of the ways in language that we uh, start questioning the ownership, the appropriation, wrongful appropriation of the nature, of human nature, is uh, as we sit, maybe we'll think, uh, rather than thinking, I'm sitting, my body, just if you want to play with this, you could think, oh, there's a body sitting here. It's hearing. Hearing is happening. Naturally, spontaneously. Breathing is happening. Instead of uh, I'm agitated or I'm calm, just if you want to try to play with this a bit, you could think Ah, there is agitation here. It's quiet here. There's quietness. There is a tension, presence, or scatteredness. Oh, 
It's unpleasant being here right now. It's pleasant. Maybe it's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Even the knowing that we tend to take for self, you know, you might notice quite easily that knowing happens by itself. There is consciousness there. There is a knowing naturally happening, knowing sounds. knowing of breath or a tingling in the hands. And sometimes just for um, exploration, uh, just to spur our interest and curiosity, we say there's always something that is ending in our experience. (coughs) If you want, you could become interested in that. Is that true? There's always something ending. The end of an out-breath. the end of a sound, of a thought, the end of the beginning of the in-breath. The end of this moment, that moment, gone. Now this one.
body compared to foam, river-like nature of the body, the body alive, dynamic, even in what we call stillness, expansions, contraction, tingling, pulsing, field of life, heat, cold, space. The river of hearing never stopping.
Notice the endings, the transformation. Notice how there might be fluctuations in the pleasure, level of pleasure. Notice how the moment you are sitting in silent meditation is going to be gone. Notice if it's uh, perceived, received as a beautiful sound, pleasant sound or unpleasant sound, or maybe neutral sound. learning to meet pleasure and displeasure um, is an art. Okay, this this is deep stuff that we've been uh, talking about, you know, the ephemeral nature of things is is, you know, when we start to notice really how things are fluctuating, unreliable, changing opinions, views, uh, experiences, that's, uh, they say that that's where wisdom and compassion arises from noticing the ephemerality of things. It becomes very poignant, precious. Wow, things are changing. I can't count on something to bring me complete satisfaction. It's not going to happen. It sounds like bad news, doesn't it? But at some, they also say it's the most uh, profound liberating thing because it opens the heart. Then I'm not so hooked. I need absolutely this. I know when I'm going to get this thing, it's not going to provide completely. So then, you know, then what? Then I have to be caring now. I have to uh, find something now. And I can still go for the stuff but not totally deluded that it's going to fix everything. You know, anyway, that's maybe a personal understanding here. So a few things here. Um, so today is a day of practice, a full day of practice. In a way, we're still in the very heart of the retreat. So the container is a fragile thing. Huh? It, it uh, depends on willingness. So it's very fragile in this way. It depends on the honoring that we do of it. So the silence, our respect, our understanding of the power of the silence, uh, and offering this to each other, the gift of solitude and communi- community. So really we want you, uh, we, uh, we, uh, we want you to really honor this, respect this today. Very rich day here. Uh, very soon things are going to change. Even this afternoon, the schedule changes later in the afternoon. So we, we have until uh, 
you know, that we have the whole day now to really dive deeply into this stuff. Um, the exploration is meant to be uh, in a laboratory like here, really moment by moment. So, can I be present in this moment? So sometimes we have a general, uh, yeah, I'm generally present. It actually is, we, it's a little bit more delicate than this, is right now, what's being known right now? So that. Yeah, this afternoon uh, we'll meet all here at um, f- uh, 4.15. And so um, some folks wrote to her, us and said that the affinity groups yesterday meeting upstairs was uh, really supportive. And so we'll do it again today. So at 3.45, um, uh, gender non-conforming people, non-binary, uh, I- self-identifying people, trans, if uh, those who want can meet upstairs, it's going to be a little shorter because uh, it's from 3.45 to f- 4.15, we'll all be here. So, um, so please be aware of this. 6.30, uh, same thing for the... Um, POC people want to belong to this group at that moment, you know, feel they could benefit from this. Um, you have the, it, I think it's a half hour sit, right? Okay. So this is happening. There was a question about uh, what's what's the bow- bowing thing? What's What's going on? And so, just a few words on this. So, yeah, this tradition, vowing, is, uh, is very, uh, very much part of the, the tradition. Classically, uh, the bowing that we'll do towards the, the uh, image of the Buddha uh, uh, will be, I don't know what everybody does personally, but often it is uh, taking refu- uh, refuge, the three refuges. And so the refuge are um, the Buddha, taking refuge in the Buddha. So it might be a recognition that somebody 2,600 years ago gathered their mind, dived under all assumptions, and went to really check the scene and clarified a few things, you know, and the kind of recognition that this happened and uh, it means a lot, you know. So this, a refuge in this, or in the capacity for a human being to clarify, uh, detoxify the heart and the received ideas that are toxic and, you know, that it's possible to do this. There's this potential in here. So, so this, uh, Buddha, uh, Dharma is the teaching, the pedagogy, the technique, philosophy, you know, what's been presenting here an honoring of this. And uh, then the Sangha is a recognition that there's 2,600 years of passing this, transmitting this, uh, and learning how to embody, understand deeply this stuff inside, and generously uh, um, sharing it. And so when we bow, it might be this. Uh, personally, these days, I put my hand on my heart because it became a little dry, you know? And I thought, hold on, like, I, I want it to be meaningful. What, what, would, what gesture would work for me, you know? And I thought, oh, this, it, it's dear to my heart, this stuff. It's, uh, it's helping me every day, you know, be uh, in this body and in relationship with others. So honoring this. 
sometimes at the end of the sitting we do like this and this could mean uh, that we recognize that we created conditions here for a few minutes to actually explore the heart which is uh, you know not the mainstream thing not the capitalistic <laughs> dominant culture thing to do you know to actually uh, renounce accumulation for a moment and check what's actually there alive so this maybe another uh, announcement here um so this morning i'll be offering um two uh, sign up um opportunity groups of eight and that would be for the people who had the meeting on thursday so that's not yesterday don't people who don't have a meeting today or had a meeting yesterday but had a meeting thursday and feel like they could really benefit from uh checking in a little bit so um and as we come out the sign up sheet will be there i think the first meeting will be at 9:30 so that's a some something i can do this morning and i'm happy to do uh, and uh, there's only so many places that that's how it is so check do you want to honor um the silence and practice in this way or what's what's right for you any questions we could have time maybe for one or two questions this morning about the practice or s- some clarification yeah can you talk at all <coughs> about in the practice you offered this morning the interplay of mindfulness and awareness. Mhm. Uh yeah, there's so many ways to define these. Uh uh and different people will define it differently and in different ta- tradition it'll be uh, uh presented differently. So I'll I'll just say a few words about how I was uh, presenting it this this morning. So this morning I was talking about the factor of m- fa- I'll call it factor of mind aspect of our reality called consciousness. So the knowing quality. Huh? So there is maybe the crickets, but there is in that event of hearing the cricket there's 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 the cricket itself and there's the knowing, huh? the knowing so that aspect or now for example you might be feeling your hands if i say hands you know so there's the actual coolness that is there or the touch or tingling so that's one thing but there's also a knowing huh? what reveals it and there's something that is kind of transparent but makes it possible we could say uh, intelligence you know this this something awareness so i'm i'm putting all this in the same basket here the knowing quality and so in practice we can be aware of breath we can be aware of uh, pleasure displeasure thoughts but we can also be aware of the knowing itself this it's a little bit more transparent maybe subtle you know so the way i was presenting it this morning is that the knowing uh, happens with the event you cannot know an event after you know kind of hearing the bell can you hear the bell now no the knowing of the bell co-arises with the event so it's one way that we use to start deconstructing that really firm belief sense of me i'm in the middle of everything you know it's all about moi 
the absolute unit of measure of anything. What I think about it, <laughs> what it did to me, how it's going to impact me, you know? So we live a lot like this, you know? Check out your thoughts, you know? Which one doesn't th- start with I? <laughs> or what will I? You know, the I is always pretty much at the center. And we hold dearly to it. Even now you might be hearing me like, do not touch that. <laughs> you know, you can touch everything else, but I am at the center. And so the image of the magic show uh, that the Buddha used is to kind of deconstruct this. Oh, so a moment of hearing, a moment of thinking, is pre- and suddenly there's the illusion of it's moi, it's about moi, you know? And with that, isolation. With that, fear of death. What's going to happen to moi, you know? And so here we pay attention and we start deconstructing a bit. And for one of the things we might discover is that knowing hap- happens might, on a superficial level or in a conditioned way, like I've been trained like this. I think this is about, this is, I'm knowing this thing. But if I get a little bit more quiet, calm, that's why we put a lot of energy in stabilizing the mind, not so reactive, not so, so caught in the stories, attentive to reality, we'll notice that the knowing happens spontaneously. It's not like, okay, I'm going to hear the bell now. You know, knowing happens. If there's uh, health and the conditions are right, you know. The and so I'm presenting this this morning, that kind of knowing that appears and disappears. So I, you know, so I was emphasizing the appearing and disappearing. Flickering is a word the Buddha, Buddha seemed to have used in Pali. Flickering nature of experience. And so the knowing of you coming down some stairs here at some point, that experience of you there is disappeared, huh? has died. And so we want to maybe become more sensitive to that so we can relax and say, oh, actually there's been many, many deaths already, you know? So slowly maybe um, coming closer to death in this way, making it more natural a bit. It's a whole path, you know, (laughs) it's decades maybe of exploration. So that's the one I would focus on today, you know. Thank you. Yes? Yeah, yeah. So we'll talk uh, more about this uh, later at the end of the retreat, and it's really important. And uh, I'll just say now that being on these training grounds here, my sense is that there's a lot we're learning that we're going to be able to apply. And maybe it's not clear now, but in action, in the world, suddenly we'll discover, you know, like, oh, this of back then, you know, I can apply now, you know, thank you so much, you know, (laughs) it might become uh, 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 
you know, more apparent here and there, you know, that, oh, I could actually be here now instead of being in my ideas of how it should be, you know, actually meet the situation as it is, you know, and yeah. And in terms of seeking uh, pleasure, so what we want to free ourselves of is like, so if we, if we're just kind of um, systems that are looking to, for, um, to accumulate, secure, securize pleasure, and it comes also with fear of displeasure, and that's a really difficult way to live, to hate, fear, displeasure, and to seek for pleasure that is unstable, you know? And so what we're learning to do here is to actually meet experiences in their fullness, you know? So actually be, be, uh, be touched by beauty, you know? Sometimes when there's pleasure or beauty for us, what happens, human beings, see if it's true for you, will will shut down you know like oh my god i hope this person calls back you know you know and oh i want the recipe and you know like <laughs> oh it's so good at my work now they said i'm doing good you know i want to keep like keep like this so we we become fearful instead of being able to relax knowing that's the liberation of the ephemera knowing ephemerality oh this is passing through ah let me feel it because it's passing through you know ah gone, so touching, it was meaningful, beautiful, rich, deep, whatever it was. And wow, that's the nature of this reality. It's like this, things appear, can we feel them? They disappear. And when difficulty arises, maybe I'll be able also to, okay, that's one of the winds, you know, it comes with uh, this reality. Yeah? Okay. So just a few words on this. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> yes, I, I mean yes. I I I want the answers too. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and so on the spiritual path. Um, one of the thing I seem to be understanding is that paradox is possible. You know that something can be absolutely true, and absolutely also not true. You know. And so it's, it's an unusual way to, to think about this, but, uh, you know, like the Buddha, you know, I, I mentioned this this morning, the identity, you know, this, this person transformed, you know, the, you know, the and identity was important to them and they see, saw through it. But still, you know, this person was not dressed as a young prince or king at some point, shaved the head, changed the whole look to actually... Uh, have an identity and communicate. It's a communication saying, this is uh, who I am. This is, you know, to match how it felt from the inside, uh, made transformations, you know. And so, uh, so this is absolutely true. And in a sense also, there might have been an understanding that it was not the complete, full, absolute end of the story, you know, that there was more to it. Um, so um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you like one personal example here. I don't know if it's... Um, so when I learned I was HIV positive, for me it was a big change of identity. Because my identity, I didn't know so much about it, but I thought I was uh, youth, health, eternity, uh, things like this, you know. But then when at 25, they said, actually it's not looking good, you know, there's no more uh, immune system, we need to get 
all things in gear here, you know. And so suddenly I was, uh, I was, um, I was uh, sickness. I was uh, death or moving in with death, you know. And, and also I was, so, and the, the stigma and the identity of being a HIV positive person was really, really heavy. In practice, what I've discovered is that it's actually flickering. So, so this is very delicate. So I'm talking about my personal experience. So y- and you'll see if what you can relate to. But now, the way I experience this is I'm not always HIV positive. Sometimes I'm just somebody who's trying to open a jar. You know? And it disappears. It's, not, it's flickering in this way. So if I thought I had to carry this for the whole of my life, and this was my identity, I think it would be heavy. But now I know that it appears and disappears. You know, it appears when I'm meeting a, meeting a new partner, and I have to explain this because there's going to be a sexual encounter, and it's Im- important that I'm responsible, and you know, in the way that my ethics tells me, you know. And sometimes it appears in uh, if somebody expresses prejudice in some ways in a conversation, and they don't know my status or something. Suddenly, whoops! It appears in some forms, you know. Sometimes it appears because it's laid on me, you know. Somebody will, you know, will v- view me as only that, you know, in some way. And so, and so there's many different ways it shows, but it's also flickering. It appears and disappears. And so I was stuck with a rigid view of this, and now I have a fluid, more fluid view of this. It appears and I attend to it, you know, s- uh, when it appears, you know. Uh, and so I'm not in denial, you know, uh, and, you know, if you did the blood test, maybe I would be all the time HIV positive, but I'm talking from the point of view of the experiencer, you know, from the point of view here of this human experience, it flickers, you know. In the same way, I'm a son, but I'm not always a son, you know. Sometimes like, oh my God, I haven't called in a week, you know. <laughs> I'm a son, I'm a bad son, <laughs> you know. And that flickers in this way. So that's one of the ways that I see it in this experience at this point in life. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for asking. Okay. So, rich, potential, full of potential day of practice. And if you think it's never going to end, I can reassure you, it will. So let's uh, be really careful here today about the form, please. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.